absolutely great to have you with us this, this weekend. Actually, it's the beginning of the week. Uh, I applaud all of you who decide that you will begin your week in the presence of God, hearing the word of God in worship unto God. It, it, it's, it actually sets the tone for your whole week coming. And we look forward to seeing each of you, whether you are, we're together in, uh, in each other's presence, person to person, or whether we are face to face on, on Facebook or any of the social media. I just want to welcome you. And I'm so grateful to God for what he's doing. I need to tell you that, just being a bit personal with you, that this, these last two days have been incredible as my wife and I have, have chosen to move from where we have been living for the last several years to a, a whole nother place. And so we, <laughs> we have been through, if you've, ever, if you've ever moved, you understand completely what that is and you know what that burden is. You know what it is to bear the burden of all that you have collected, all, <laughs> all that you've accumulated and stored and forgotten about and now it's all in front of you. And it's, it's a bit that way, if you'll think about it with the Lord, all that we had accumulated, all that we had done, all of the evil we had had done all of the things that were stacked up against us it was the Lord that bore our burden in fact the Bible calls him our burden bearer I want to talk with you for the next few weeks about this this whole picture of God taking what was separated and bringing it back together again but I want before I do that I want us to have a word of prayer to ask the Lord Jesus to open our heart and open our eyes and then open our mouth about what he's declaring these days. And I thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for our listeners. Thank you for our watchers, all of those who now attend Facebook. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for those who are gathering person to person. And Father, before you today, we ask that you would open our understanding, that we may hear what you are speaking and do what you're commanding. I thank you, Lord, that you have all of us in mind and that we are your light unto the world. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you would cause your word be that burden bearer for us. That word enlightens us. Break up the hard places in our heart, we pray, that are so needed by your word. Feed us, we pray, with your word. We thank you for it. It's in the in the name of Jesus that we pray, and amen. It's, it's, uh, it's an amazing thing to me that these times and seasons in which we live, I think you could agree with me, that we've never seen these times or seasons before with quite this intensity. Everyone seems to be on edge. In fact, it's a bit difficult to have a conversation, whether you're talking socially, whether you're talking politically, whether you're talking about racial issues, whether you're talking about gender issues, whether you're talking about economic issues. It's tough to have conversations with people because people seem to be easily offended, easily separated. <clears throat> and here we are today dealing with this in our culture in a way that we haven't seen for years. And I do remember even in, I know, it's been a while ago, in the 60s, I remember. I remember the, the racial tension. I remember in the seasons of Watts and even what was happening in the South. 
I was alive. I was in junior high school when Dr. King was assassinated. It's, a, it's an amazing thing to see this progression of racial unrest as it unfolds again in our nation. Not that it ended. It was all, it's always been here. But I believe the word of God has something to say about it. Something to declare about it. These times and seasons in which, in which we live are not new to God. For he has indeed declared and proclaimed the very season that we're living in. The very things that are happening to us. He has declared. It's amazing. Luke 21 says this in verse 10. You might want to check that out. Luke 21 and 10. And he's talking about, he's talking about what we would call end times. He said, you, you'll, you'll notice and Jesus continue that nation will rise against nation and kingdoms against kingdoms. What we are dealing with, my brothers and my sisters, is something that God foresaw. He knew these times would come, even with their increasing intensity. Nation, that is ethnos against nation, ethnos against ethnos cultures against cultures it's an amazing time and yet in the middle of it the word of God declares something from heaven in Galatians chapter 3 verses 28 and 29 it says there is neither check this out there is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither slave nor free there is neither male nor female hmm and if you belong to Christ, he says, then you are Abraham's seed. For you all, for all of you, are one in Christ Jesus. It's amazing how the Bible addresses from God's kingdom perspective. He addresses racial issues, Jew nor Greek. He addresses, he addresses social, economic issues. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. God addresses the gender issue. All three of them, he sees, he foresees what upheaval we would be in the midst of. And he speaks to it. It's amazing when he speaks to the Galatians. He speaks to them because they had this kind of turmoil. There were those who were Jews who felt they were privileged. And those who were Greeks who felt that, that, that Jews were not all that special. And when the Bible uses the word Greeks, it's referring to all nationalities that are not Jewish. This upheaval here that we see in the New Testament has come to visit us again. Not only that, but this whole issue of male or female, gender confusion. It's not that it's new in our culture. The scriptures has much to say about it. And neither slave nor free economic issues, different stratas of economic income. It's amazing that God speaks to it. And from the perspective and the good news of God's kingdom, he says, when my kingdom comes and when it's manifested, I'm going to solve the issue between free men and slave men. I'm going to solve the issue with the gender confusion. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to bring together the two that were separated. I'm going to bring them together. Jew and Greek, the racial issue. Of all the subject matters that the Apostle Paul spoke to in the letters, he spoke clearly and maybe more profoundly 
and even extensively about the issues of nation against nation, that is ethnos against ethnos, that is Jews against Gentiles or Greeks. The racial issue he speaks to again and again. It's kind of amazing when we think about Dr. King uh, who became again the hero and the drum major for this whole issue when he said, I have a dream today. He said, I have a dream one, one day, that one day the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will, will come together and sit down at the table of brotherhood. And here we are today, we see a table disrupted. We see, we see division even in the church of Jesus Christ. The very instrument that God has chosen to bring an answer to the world, we struggle with it ourselves. You can hardly make a comment as a pastor, white or black or Hispanic or Asian, you can hardly make a comment about race where you're not ostracized and people take your words and twist them and people begin to hear it differently. And the division in the body of Christ, God has his hand on it and by God's grace, he's going to solve it. In fact, he's going to solve it in your heart. It's an amazing thing how he does that. But I declare to you today that God is bringing reconciliation to the body of Christ. And then he will bring reconciliation in our culture. But not until we as a church deal with the issue of this dividedness. We have to ask ourselves a major question. And the question is how in the world would God erase the division? How would he address it? What would he say to you and I who so quickly judge a person by the color of their skin, as Dr. King said, rather than the content of their character? What would the Lord say to us who will paint a whole group of people with one brush stroke as all being the same on the basis of your personal relationship or your personal pain that you have suffered from one another? What would God say to us who, who are in the body of Christ, who are to be the example of the kingdom of God come to earth in our relationships? I believe he would have a powerful word for us. I believe he would speak directly to where we are. And he would say to us that all of us, number one, every single one of us came here slaves. I rehearsed a bit of it last week when the Bible makes a, a profound declaration that we were all, all of us were slaves to sin. You know, we just celebrated, um, we just celebrated the 4th of July and some would not celebrate the 4th of July. Instead, they leaned on Juneteenth. I'm not sure if they understand what that means, but your real freedom, the ability to live your life under the dictates of your own decisions, the ability to be free from the tyranny and control of other people. The ability to determine where you're going to end up financially, socially, educationally. That freedom, I will tell you in the name of God, is given to us because of one thing and one thing only, and that's forgiveness. It's amazing how God speaks to it. Our freedom therefore is not based on the 4th of July and we're grateful for the fact that we have the opportunities we have. Our freedom is not based on June, Juneteenth. 
which were slaves who remained slaves long after, after the proclamation of uh, the declaration, after the proclamation of slaves being free, long after it was made. They remained slaves. By the way, you should know that that is the condition of many people today. They're, they have been set free by the power of God, by forgiveness, but they're still living under slavery. And their slavery is worse than the tyranny of men. And that slavery is being a slave to the appetites of your flesh, being a slave to the sin in your life, being slaves to the one we obey. And the one we obey is the one who brings tyranny over our life when we have not dealt with our own imperfections. We've not dealt with our own greed, our own lust. We, we, we not, we've not dealt with our own divisions. This slavery that the Bible speaks of is slavery to sin under the owner of the old master who is Satan. And yet God brings us freedom. He brings us freedom to live out from underneath the tyranny Indeed, we could be slaves to sin if we've not received Christ. We could be slaves to the evil ones we obey, slaves to impurity, slaves to lawlessness, slaves to false gods, worshiping those that are no gods at all. Yes, our real slavery is slavery from within. It is, a, we say, a spiritual slavery. And yet, our freedom is being proclaimed. I would like to say to all of us today that our freedoms did not begin with the 4th of July, did not, did not begin with the proclamation of emancipation. It didn't, our freedom did not begin with June, Juneteenth. But our true freedom began on the day we decided to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord on the day we believed that our sins were wiped out before God and that we were forgiven. And when I say forgiven, I mean God will treat you like you never even sinned. On the day that God proclaimed that you are his son and you are his daughter based on your faith in Jesus Christ. There, my friends, your true freedom begins. It's there that God does an, an amazing miracle. He is able by right to take away your sin, to take away, to dismiss and wipe out your transgressions for every thought, every word, every deed that had stacked up against you. God, God made an executive order and he himself became the payment for our sins to buy us out of slavery. You know, forgiveness is a very powerful thing. In fact, I'd like to make a declaration to you that forgiveness is what releases you and I into the destiny that God has for us. I, I shared a story with you last week that I want to quickly rehearse because forgiveness is so powerful that it has, it has within it the ability to turn your life in God's direction. All the things that the Father has set up for you to receive, to enjoy, to walk in, comes, begins with forgiveness. 
not only your personal forgiveness, but when you are personally forgiven, God gives you the ability to do something that otherwise you are unable to do. And that is to forgive others. Matthew chapter 18, it, re it, it recounts when Peter came to the Lord and Peter said, Lord, how often do I need to forgive my brother when he sins against me? How often do I need? And the Lord said, not seven times, as Peter would suggest, but 70 times seven. It's a way of expressing however many times necessary. And the Lord Jesus says to him, when your brother comes, whenever he comes and he repents, he says, I want you to forgive him. Mm. And he tells him a story. He, said, he says, I, I remember, he said there was a master who had slaves or servants and he entrusted them with a certain amount to take that resource and turn it and multiply it and the master came back to give an account to take an account for all that was there and when he came to his servant he owed him 10,000 talents mm. but he was not able to repay and the master ordered his servants his, his servant, his wife, his children to be sold into indentured slavery and sell everything else that he has. But that servant realizing that he owed the debt that he was not able to pay. It reminds us that we have a debt, that we are unable to pay a burden we carry of sin in our life, that we don't have the ability there's not enough money in the world, not enough gold and silver in the earth to pay for your sin. And yet, in this story Jesus told, the master forgave him his sin. You need to understand that forgiveness, it's, it's actually, a, it's actually a, a, a word of accounting. It means I take it off your record and I no longer hold it against you. In fact, when I remove this debt from your record, it is as if you never sinned at all. That's what the word justification means. Justification means just as if I never sinned. That's what God does. That's the powerful gift that he gives to you and I. Jesus told this story that the master forgave him his sin forgave him all of his debt. When that servant fell on his knees and begged the master, please, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I know I owe it. And by the way, those of you listening to us today, watching today, you only get forgiveness if you know you owe it. As long as you act like you don't owe God anything, you don't get forgiveness. But this servant, he realized, I owe this debt. Fell on his face and said, God, he said, to the, he said to his master, Master, please, please forgive me. And don't forget when Jesus told this story, it's apropos. When you owe God, when you are in sin, your whole family suffers. This, this servant said, please, please forgive me, I beg you. And the master took pity on him and forgave him. He canceled his debt. Did you hear what I said? He canceled it. He took it off the books as if it never existed. But the story goes on and said that same slave, that same servant, 
he went out and he, he found another one of his fellow servants that owed him. Took him by the throat and said, pay me everything. And the servant said, look, I don't have it, but if you just have mercy, give me time, I'll pay it, I'll pay it. And it's amazing. This first servant took his fellow friend, put him in jail till he would pay him the whole price. I want to tell you, my friend, all the other servants, all the other, all the other servants heard about it and came to the master and told him what happened. And then it's amazing what happened when that first servant was brought back to accountability to his master. And he said, he said to him, you wicked servant, I canceled all your debt, the debt of your sins, because you begged me to. Should you have not had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, the master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay the whole price. Wow. And this is what's amazing. Verse 35 of the 18th chapter of Matthew says this. And this is how my heavenly father will treat each one of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. What is this power of forgiveness? And what is the problem with unforgiveness? Did you know it's the number one argument in heaven against many people is unforgiveness. For the Bible says very clearly in Matthew 6, for if you forgive men, if you, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your heavenly Father, your Father in heaven, will not forgive your sins. And the disciple Mark, he says the same thing. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything in your heart against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you. It's amazing. How many prayers are being held up because of unforgiveness in our hearts? And then also note in Luke 17, so watch yourselves. If, you, if your brother sins, rebuke him. Check this out. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. For, for it says, if he sins against you seven times a day and seven times comes back to you and says again, I repent, forgive me, then we must have compassion and forgiving. And lastly, it says this, this is Ephesians chapter 4. Be kind and compassionate with one another, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Here we are at this juncture of incredible um, social economic unrest, racial tension. You can't ask the whole nation to forgive, but you can forgive one on one. You can forgive those who have injured you if you have been forgiven. And I pray for you today, my brothers and my sisters, that you remember that God in Christ has taken our sin away 
so that we in Christ might release our brothers and our sisters. Forgiveness is key. It's so powerful. Everything in your life will begin to unfold and transform once you have received and once you have given. May God give you grace. For those of you watching right now, you need forgiveness from God. Don't be ashamed. I want you to know that sometimes you don't feel like God will hear you, but I promise you that because of what he has already proclaimed, if you ask him, he will do it. If you pray in the name of Christ, if you acknowledge that Christ has died for your sins, if you believe in your heart that he's taken them away, and if you'll confess him as Lord, he will come. Pray the prayer right now with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. I thank you for your forgiveness. We declare that we need it so badly. I need it. We need it so badly. Would you come, Heavenly Father, lift the burden we've been carrying as slaves to sin. Set us free to obey you and to walk with you. I believe that Jesus is my burden bearer. I believe that Jesus took on himself through his pain and suffering, paid the price for all of my sin. And I'm grateful and I thank you. I confess that Jesus Christ is King and Lord. And I receive him into my life. And I thank you. I thank you, Father, for those who receive now, right now, as they're listening, as they're watching, they've prayed, they're praying the prayer. Lord, right now, thank you for coming upon them. And we give you all the thanks and praise. And it's in the matchless name of Jesus we declare and we pray today. And amen.